Welcome to FYI, the four-year innovation podcast. This show offers an intellectual discussion on technologically enabled disruption, because investing in innovation starts with understanding it. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. Arc Invest is a registered investment advisor focused on investing in disruptive innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by Arc. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by Arc or podcast guests and are not endorsements or recommendations by Arc to buy, sell, or hold any security. Clients of Arc Investment Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to FYI, Arc's weekly podcast on innovation and technology investing. This week, I talked to Arc analyst Nick Gruss on the booming market for smart speakers. In just over four years, devices like Amazon Echo and Google Assistant has gone from niche toys to a mainstream device that's found in many people's homes across the world. We discuss why they've taken off so quickly how adoption compares to the smartphone, and the challenges of getting true user adoption in the years to come. Nick, you've been looking into the smart speaker space. What have you found? Is this going to be the next iPhone? Yes, that's right. I have been looking into the smart speaker space. A lot of people are talking about this being the next big platform, following iPhones, following smartphones. And I think the debate is still out on whether that's going to happen. There's a lot of evidence on both sides that you know this could be very big platform. And there's a lot of evidence that this may just plateau where it is. And we actually are in peak smart speaker space right now. So what are people, maybe give us some figures. The the iPhone kind of exploded after 2008. Now we have Apple selling on the order of 200 million units a year. And Apple's only like 15% of global market share. Why are we even contemplating smart speakers as a potential parallel to something that was rather unprecedented and you know, kind of one, one off. What, what are the facts and figures behind smart speaker sales right now? Yeah, so we're seeing unprecedented smart speaker adoption. We believe it will take three years for smart speakers to go from 10%, so an early adoption phase, to mainstream adoption, which is over 50%. And we believe that will happen in mid-2020. And if you look at other big devices, smartphones, it took four years. Tablets, the iPad, four years. TVs, six years. And PCs, personal computers, over 14 years. TVs were 60 years? 14 years. 14 years. So when you think about three years for smart speakers, the question is, why is this happening? I mean, I think a lot of people are asking themselves that because they are everywhere, but there hasn't been a lot of use beyond maybe some of the basic functionality of these devices. So why do you think it is actually growing so quickly? What's so special about these devices? I think you have a very attractive price in that you can get a smart speaker for lower than what you can get a normal speaker in most cases. The Amazon Echo, you know, they charge anywhere from $30 to $50 sales all the time. You have Amazon Prime Day. They're basically handing these out. And the question is, why is that? Because I think there's a bigger plan here with smart speakers in the case of Amazon or Google to be able to have their voice assistant in the center of your home answering questions, controlling devices, that's invaluable to a company like Amazon or Google. It seems like the key question to ask is, what is the job to be done? What are people buying these for right now? If the cost is lower than a regular speaker, it's almost as if the first phase of adoption, these smart speakers are, 
despite more functionality, low-end disruption, or just plain kind of takeover of existing of the existing speaker market, which has never been, I guess, that important. That that was just a, a hi-fi kind of a, a business. But this is turning it. Uh, it's almost like a Trojan horse, right? You buy this for the for the, for playing music, playing some news, but maybe in the future it turns into something else, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with that concept because smart speakers aren't that smart, right? There's not a lot of capability that they can do, again, beyond just some of those basic functionalities. But as time goes on, we believe that there's going to be some core functionality that will drive adoption further. So what we're hoping and what you're starting to see is these devices being brought into the home because, again, they are great speakers and they're affordable. People are keeping them out because they can play music on them, you know, answer certain questions. But over time, they may become a place where you shop from. They may be the hub of your home connecting your cameras, your TV. Every device that's connected to the internet could run through one of these devices down the line. And so what you're seeing right now is early phase adoption and this novelty of, oh, I have a great speaker that also is a voice assistant. In a way, this is uh, unlike any prior tech adoption trend. Because previously, when you bought a TV, you bought a microwave, you bought a car or iPhone, you bought it pretty much for what it promised to do at the time that you bought it. Here, you're buying something for basically playing back music, but it it has this latent potential in there because the the software is really in the cloud, right? right. In theory, Amazon could could update the software one day, make it super smart, or make it do something it never could do. And all of a sudden, it's just sitting there in your living room. And instantly, there is an installed base for adoption. Right. So you're buying something now for the promise of something more in the future. Do you think consumers have this expectation? Do you think they're thinking about that one day their smart speaker will do something magical for them? I think you certainly have a small community. And the hope is there that it does become something more than it is. But I think ultimately, most consumers will be fine with what they are currently today. And that is a great speaker that can handle one-off questions every now and then and maybe turn on your lights or turn them off. But I think, and the reason that I started looking into this space is the future is getting brighter for that potential of them delivering a lot more than just being a speaker. And so right now what I've been focused on, and when you look at the the early days of smart speakers, so for the past five years, they were started in 2014. Amazon came out with their Echo, which is now colloquially called Alexa. If you compare that to the iPhone, the adoption is in line with, with iPhones, but the functionality of these devices is not there. So let's take a look at the app stores. So Apple came out with their app store one year after the launch of the iPhone. It launched with almost 800 apps. It then grew to almost 425,000 apps three years later. Alexa got Alexa Skills Kit, which is their third-party developer platform, two years after their launch of Alexa, the speaker. It started with 100 apps. It's now grown to 80,000 apps. And that's not great. When you compare it to Apple's iPhone, they're missing something. And it shouldn't be the case considering the cost to develop a skill is $7,000 on average, very low cost. Whereas if you wanted to develop an Apple app, it's much higher. So you should see people flooding this market considering the unit sales growth of the device, but you're not seeing that. 
So why not? Like what these apps are very inexpensive to develop. They're, they're easier to develop in many ways. So what's the missing link? So I think there's two things. One is discovery and the second is monetization. So when you look at a discovery mechanism for the Alexa, it's the best way to discover new apps or new skills is through your phone, which seems extremely counterintuitive considering this should be a voice first platform. There should be an easier way to discover skills beyond the basic functions. And when you look at the user engagement beyond the basics, there's 80,000 skills as of October 2018, 61% of those skills didn't have any user rating, which goes to show you that no one is using these skills beyond maybe a timer, you know, some music, beyond any of that. But when you look at the app store, there is a whole economy now driven off of that. And especially in the early days, Apple focused on the app store and the app store grew driving iPhone sales, iPhone sales grew, so did the opportunity in the app store. And that virtuous cycle has driven the iPhone and the app store to become first in class products. So first you have discovery mechanism, which I don't believe is there. And the second is monetization. If you look at the space right now, Amazon has only just allowed developers or in-app purchasing for developers which is a big revenue driver in the traditional app space for developers. And that's only just coming on to voice platforms today. The other monetization efforts out there aren't great and developers haven't clung to it. And because there isn't a lot of money to be made and the monetization options aren't that compelling, you aren't seeing a lot of developers working on voice apps. If you look at the amount of money spent by third-party developers building out Alexa skills, in the first three years, we believe it is roughly close to $450 million. But if you look at the Apple App Store in the first three years of that, we believe that almost $16 billion was spent by third-party developers. This difference is significant because developer spend is a key figure to watch if this is really going to be the next big platform. I think one thing that's very different, maybe that, that attributes to this lack of adoption, is that first there's a debate whether or not voice is, is this new platform and a new paradigm. People, there, there are a few folks who've argued that voice is the successor to mobile, for example. And I really kind of struggle with that personally as someone who kind of monitored mobile all the way when, from, from when iPhone launched. If you look at the success behind the app store, why has it made so much money? A lot of that success has to do with games. The initial adoption for iOS was very much around gaming, and that is a proven business model. A lot of the key use cases for mobile is content consumption. Right, whether that's uh, news through text or videos through things like Netflix and YouTube. Voice is fundamentally a low IO or low bandwidth interface. Right? The amount of data you can input into the system is basically you know, kilobytes per second if you count it in terms of sound and really bytes per second if you count it in terms of words. And the amount of output it can provide is basically kilobits per second as well. Right? It at most can, can stream music out for you. It is like the opposite of a rich format, if you will, right? So when, when, when developers go to it to monetize, none of the existing metaphors for monetization really exists. You can't serve up content other than for music, but music, you, you, there's no gateway. Someone, Spotify or someone else would have collected the toll for, for the music subscription. And for input, you're, you're really quite limited. So it seems 
almost a little, you could argue certainly that it's a little bit backwards in, in terms of which way in, 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 the, in the UI metaphor it's going toward. Where it really shines is for issuing commands, right? Well, we've heard like lots of people with disabilities, for example, in hospitals and, and in certain other settings uh, really, really benefit from these voice interfaces because they can't use, use computers the traditional way. Yeah, but for, but, but for voice to really work and bring a lot of value to everyone, I think it has to work dependably. And one obvious contrast between how voice works and f- say how a mobile phone application work is, when you, when you ask Alexa or Siri to do something, it will completely be wrong, maybe between 10 and 15% of the times, depending on what you're asking. If you ask sufficiently complex queries, it will be hilariously wrong. There are some queries it will just not know how to do, period. So 100% fail rate. That would be like a smartphone where if you tap it one time out of five, it just gets, it, it will just do a random behavior. If, if that were true, I don't think the iPhone would have ever taken off, right? So we went from a predictable user interface with, with mobile and display and multi-touch to one that's kind of probabilistic. It's, it's kind of like, maybe this will work. Maybe this won't. Maybe it will understand me. Maybe it won't. When you have an error rate, I think your usability has actually decreased. Right? For people have argued that this, this improves usability. Well, what's lower friction than just talking to your speaker? If it always works, that would be true. And, and I would support that. But given the fact that it fails so often and so unpredictably, I, I think the reality is most consumers find a smart speakers to be lower usability for anything beyond the basic commands. Right. And, and that's why I think this space is so interesting, right? Because you have such strong demand for smart speakers. You have unit sales growing through the roof. You have penetration growing, and yet there isn't that much you can do with them, right? So, you think about what's happening today. A lot of people using it for music, and that's really why they're still on the countertop. Because like you said, if you ask it a command, one out of five times, it's probably, or you know, most of the time, it's probably going to get it wrong. And so, when you think about when Alexa actually developed the Echo, its initial project was, it was meant to be an audio speaker for their Kindle reader. It was meant just to deliver a book in audio format. And it became such a widely popular success story. And it didn't have the functionality it needed to have at the time of launch, but somehow it's maintained and even grown. And so I think now you have growing unit sales and functionality flattening. And this is either going to lead to a grinding halt in the market where people get sick of them, or you have killer apps come into the market and make these devices really valuable to both to the consumer and to the companies that make them. And so where we think this could come in, one, you're starting to see it with music. I think there's going to be a lot of fun, interactive things that happen in the music space on smart speakers. And the second is convenient shopping. And this one is really exciting to think about because let's just put it in terms of groceries, going out to the market, grabbing a few items to come home and cook. You're starting to see Amazon build out fulfillment centers in every city. Shipping is getting faster. You're getting same day, next day delivery. The voice speaker in your kitchen makes a very optimal place to place an order for groceries, for online food, for for everything that seems that you would go to a convenience store to buy. And the third place where we think that smart speakers are going to become very valuable in is in connecting the home. Smart homes are getting smarter and they're getting tons of devices that are being put online every single day. Lights, cameras, everything, you name it, is coming online and you need a place to control all of that that doesn't feel clunky. 
Do you want to download 15 apps onto your phone or do you want to be able to speak to your Alexa and have her control everything in your home? And I think that, again, is a very valuable place and something that we're watching very closely. I love that idea because when you think about a new technology, you got to find a path where it has an advantage over the existing one. When the first range of IoT devices for the home came out, Apple came out with HomeKit and it was like an iOS app that controlled your lights and, and locks and things like that. It's obvious why they did that. They're a phone company and they would be to them, this is, that's, you know, their hammer and these are nails, right? So they, they naturally thought of it as an iOS app, but people found it actually too much friction to take the phone, unlock it, go to the app, then get to the settings, like four steps. Here is an example where a connected voice device like Alexa is indubitably superior to the existing phone metaphor, right? Instead of four steps, you just, it's, it's hey Alexa and, and whatever you want it to do. If the appropriate user interface for the mobile phone is a multi-touch display, it seems it's very strong to argue that the appropriate user interface for the home is simply to speak to a smart speaker. Right. And so if you look at these three avenues, I think this is what's going to revitalize the market. Music, shopping, and connectivity. If you can get people excited about those three avenues, then you can kickstart the market and start to get applications built that are going to help bring these devices back into the mainstream and make sure that they don't end up in your kitchen cabinet in a few years or your bedside drawer. What do you think is the fundamental technology that has to be solved to get more traction here? Is it like natural language understanding? Does the level of AI have to improve at a fundamental level? I think yes, but I don't think that's what's halting progress. Again, I think it comes back to helping people discover new applications and incentivizing developers. You have to be able to get the smartest people to develop the best products for your customers. And if you can't do that, then you can't even get to those higher levels of worrying about AI. You need the basics there first. If you are the Amazon person in charge of this program, what would you, what's your number one recommendation for them? So I think there's a lot that the person in charge of Alexa needs to do, but they shouldn't be too worried. Again, you have the demand there for smart speakers and it doesn't look like it's going away. What I'm concerned about is functionality. So again, you need to incentivize the best people to develop the best product for Alexa. And so if I'm in charge of Alexa, I'm gathering those people in the voice community to bring the best apps and the best skills out there to this platform. And then I'm helping your consumer or the Alexa consumer discover those. And I'm building out better functionality in terms of well, what can I do beyond just setting a timer? What can I do beyond just asking for weather? And that may be putting a screen on the front, which you're starting to see in a lot of these devices. And that may be some type of marketing campaign where you're saying, hey, these are all the new applications that came out this week. Give them a try. And you you spoke about AI, and I would love to ask you, James, how do you think or where do you think we are in the progression of, you know, AI in these voice assistants? Do you think we're there? Is there a lot more to be solved? And how much time in between, you know, where we are today and when these devices can recognize everything I'm asking for? Voice is a big multi-layered AI problem. Natural language processing has, has different stages. We've solved one part of that pipeline called voice to text. Voice to text is actually pretty good. If you look at the 
when you think about how a Alexa query goes wrong, it's not that you said something and then the, the transcribed text, or in the case of Siri, you can see the text come out on the screen is all wrong. It's that you said something and it completely misinterpreted you. It can get the sound wave into text, but it cannot interpret the text to intent. So we got voice to text is solved more mostly, but nat natural language understanding is basically unsolved. In the AI community, there is debate over whether or not natural language understanding is even as part of the artificial general intelligence problem, right? If it is an AGI problem, then we, are, we have no line of sight to a solution. That's the holy grail of AI. That's the last program we need to write before computers program themselves. But if it's a narrow uh, intelligence problem, then, then conceivably we could solve it. I think what we can do in the next few years, uh, we have, what we have line of sight on is to solve it in different verticals. Like Google has tried to solve a vertical called customer service with its, what is that program called? The, the one where they have basically the voice assistant pretend to be a waitress and take your reservation on the other side of the line. For example, if you have a vertical like just reservations, you can generate enough training data for, for those scenarios to solve it with, with good robustness across all the ways you can ask those questions. But you can't then transfer that to insurance claims, to buying groceries. Maybe buying groceries can be solved via, if you generate enough training examples there, you could get a reasonably good and robust conversational bot that can handle all the ways you can ask it to buy some tomatoes or mushrooms. You know, it's a really quite a complex scenario. You could ask different varieties. You could want different weights. I think it's not clear to me that commerce is the best use case because there's so much you have to qualify when you are trying to buy stuff. So I think getting back to the AI issue, I think maybe you can solve it for a few verticals, but a general understanding of what the user means seems to be a problem that's still in the research realms. You bring up a lot of good points here. And one thing I'm going to take issue with is this idea that commerce isn't a great avenue for voice. I think in most cases that that is true. But if we're speaking specifically about an Amazon or Amazon in particular, and you look at what they're doing in the private label space, so that's Amazon Basics, that's Amazon Wardrobe, and people disassociating brand value to certain goods. And if so you, they're less picky. Less picky, right? So one way to solve the voice problem in commerce is to give people less options. And this, you know, is not always a great fit, but in the world of groceries where you don't care too much about which brand of tomatoes you have, batteries and or batteries underwear. or everything that Amazon <laughs> is starting to put their name on, then I think it does make a very compelling case because you're going to ask Alexa say, "Hey, can you order me AA batteries?" And you don't care if it's Energizer or Amazon Basics. You just want batteries. And that's a perfect avenue, especially in the grocery world, because Amazon's going to know your order history. And it's going to be very easy to just say, Alexa, order me ice cream. Or Alexa, order me tomatoes. Okay. Well, you know, this is a very exciting area because the future is still undefined. We don't have line of sight yet. We have a lot of smart players in the space. I know you're following it very closely. Uh, look forward to what you will uh, find next. Yeah, thank you for having me, James. That's it for this week. You can find the full ARC team on Twitter. We'll catch you next week. ARC believes that the information presented is accurate and was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from ARC. Historical results are not indications of future results.
Certain of the statements contained in this podcast may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements.